Welcome to episode 202 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we preview week seven in college football. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. Don't forget to join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday night at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Go share the podcast with your friends. We're looking to expand the pod. You can find clips from the show on Twitter at SatDownSouth and at SatFBUncensored on Instagram and TikTok at SaturdayDownSouth. And you can find us on YouTube, of course, at SaturdayDownSouth. And now, here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored brought to you by Saturday Down South at Texas Pete. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, is my co-host, in a chipper mood today, Chris Marler. Chris, under the weather today, I see. Uh, well, I don't know why you said it like we, you see. Well, I, yeah, um, I, I see that you told me that you're not feeling well. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like the rain outside or like I've been, I've been watching like some docs on like some Colts and stuff. I mean, maybe that's not helping the mood. Um, yeah, Colt should have already passed because Bama doesn't play AM this week. But um, yeah, I'm just, I like, I've been on radio all day and. I noticed it from jump. I just have had a real, real feisty attitude today. So it should be a fun <laughs> episode. I can't wait. Well, before we get into the slate here, <clears throat> I wanted to play a, a little sound clip of, I think it was maybe like a coach's show up in mm-hmm. Kentucky. And this went viral this week. And a certain fan base took offense to the quote. So let me play it and then we'll talk about it. You know. The other side of that, the, the you know, the, the other side, if you want to do that, it's blame, complain, deny, or make excuses. And we're not going to do that. You know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, fans have that right. I, I give it to them. It, you know, I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those teams are doing. And, in, in, uh, in, uh, yeah, I can promise you in Georgia, they, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. And uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 of them. So, so uh, I encourage uh, anybody that's disgruntled to, to pony up some more. So I'm going to tell you what I think of that. That was M- Coach Mark Stoops of Kentucky mm-hmm. after the beat down this week that they suffered at the hands of Georgia. Um, yes. I'm not bothered by this at all. If they said this about Florida State, I'd be like, you're damn right. He, he even mentioned in the quote, it, you can do that now. And so we want to do that too. So it's going to take an all-out effort from the boosters, the fans, everybody. Donate more, and you'll see a better result on the field against a team that is vastly superior to us. And Kentucky has a pretty decent uh, NIL fund. I'm sure most of it goes to basketball these days. Mm-hmm. They are able to pony up for a couple select players in football. But, yeah, of course, you know programs like Georgia and the like are going to be able to do that at a better pace than you are at Kentucky. And Georgia fans came out this week all over my timeline and thought that this was a shot at Kirby, basically saying that he buys all his players. That's why Georgia's good, which I don't know. I mean, he's a good coach, but that's also probably why they're good because they have all the best players. What are your thoughts on this? So I, I haven't seen all of those comments. I, I did see Aaron Murray, who I love Aaron to death does a tremendous job at the start of his career and, and this budding career and what he's doing. The He made a comment about how he's like, you know, I just feel like, like, this is such a, like you said, you weren't going to complain. He's like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. And then you are complaining. We have, I'm so tired of having conversations with people and it's like, Hey, can I ask you a question? And then they give you an answer. Like if I got into a wreck on my way to work and I said, Hey, got a flat tire on my way to work. Is that making an excuse or is that telling you what happened as to why I'm late for work? Right. Yeah. That's, now, that's what happened. right. If the, the flat tire happens to be your favorite four-star recruit and he wears a G on the side of his helmet, then one fan base is going to get real upset about it and take everything personally because they always do. And that's a lot like most fan bases. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not just singling George Allen that the pushback I'm going to give is when he brought up the fact that it was like, well, you know, like he says he's not complaining, and Georgia goes out and buy, buys these players. Where I have the biggest issue, too, which right. is 
legal now, by the way. Now, technically, I don't think you can just go out and pay for play. Right. But, you know, you get what he said. Did he ever say that Kirby only is only good because he pays for players? No, he didn't. Did he ever say anything about Georgia's only won national championships because they've won, they've paid for players? No, no, he did not. Did, did he say anything at all or remotely close to the fact that Kirby and what his success has been here is like needs to have an asterisk next to it or like needs to have, I pronounce that word horribly, um, or like that the only reason that, that like teams are good or that they're not any good or that whatever is because of a lack of funding or did he state an obvious fact and then people got offended by it somehow? Because here's another obvious fact. And if you're going to be upset about that and go down some weird ass fucking road where you're like, oh, well, he's he's throwing a slide at him. This is what he really meant. Well, here's an actual fact. And I say it all the time. If we're going to talk about sports, we're going to talk about college football. We're going to do it in factual reality. Do you know who spent the most money in recruiting in the last year of college football? Uh, was it Kentucky? It was not. It was not. They finished 30th. They finished oh, 30th. In fun fact, so it's actually Georgia. Georgia finished $1.35 million ahead of every other team in the country. They also finished $1.53 million ahead of any other team in the SEC. There is a another fun fact I can give you is that Georgia spent $4.51 million last year alone. In the past five years combined, Kentucky football has spent $4,218,563 in recruiting. If you ask the man a question and he gives you an answer, you don't get to sit there and bitch about the fact of what you think he might be saying just because you want to be offended. It blows my mind. The, like the, the level of like anger, just desperately trying to be upset about something and like not being able to have, and this is for all fans. This is not just for Georgia, but this desperate sense of like, I have got to be pissed off about something. Somebody's going to say something slighted to me. And if you want a reason to not do that, Georgia fans, like this is to y'all, don't be Tennessee fans. Like not everyone's out to get you guys. And I think what Sue said is pretty factual. The other part of it is that like, you know, if anything, it's a compliment. <laughs> like, like you got right. deeper pockets, you got a deeper roster, and, and you just beat the fucking shit out of them by 38 points. So who cares? We're we're just desperately trying to find reasons to be mad. I'm not. I'm just I'm just mad. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad that you're mad today. We've got a lot of picks, a lot yeah. of good games this weekend, including the marquee matchup of the weekend, which is Oregon Washington, which I am not seeing on the side now that I'm looking at it. Um, there it is. I don't see it on my Oregon side. Oregon Washington. You want to start that yet? We do. You want to just start off right off the bat? Oh right, yeah, we'll start there because I think this is this is by far the best game. I'm, I'm really yeah. excited about this game. Three thirty on ABC. Number eight, Oregon. Five and zero at number seven, Washington, who's also five and zero. Washington currently a three point favorite as we record on Wednesday afternoon. Total sixty seven. Um, fun fact: game day's there, so that's not the fun fact, but that's just a fact. This is the first time both programs have been ranked in the top ten in the one hundred and twenty three year history of the rivalry. That's crazy. So that's pretty cool. This is the biggest game they've ever had against each other. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye. So they should be well rested. Uh, Washington won this game last year in Eugene, 37-34 on a 43-yard field goal with 51 seconds left in the game. Um, man, I can't wait for this. You've got two of the top three Heisman front runners right now, yeah. I would say, facing off against each other and Michael Penix. I think you pronounced it last uh, episode, Penix, which is just a little – I don't know if we should be doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's just um, a little, yeah, Michael Penix. Uh, yeah. And it's, listen, here's the thing. It's starting to get cold up there. So you don't know if Penix is going to be his full self. Sometimes right. in trouble. weather, he, he might, I mean, he, he might shrink up in the moment. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's a whole other thing. We're fucking children. This is ridiculous. That is too. All right. So Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Um, man, what, what do you think about this game? Because the, the favorite has covered the spread in 21 of Oregon's last 24 games. So that's not. Great for them. Mm -hmm. But Oregon has won four of its last six games as an underdog against top 10 ranked teams. Oregon's won 15 of their last 18 against Washington. Oregon owns Washington in this series. 
Um, three of the last four games have been decided by four or less points. I think there's a lot of fun that's going to be happening in this game. Like, like uh, this has to me, this feels like like Pacific Northwest Bama LSU this year. And and the reason why I say that specific game is then you got both teams coming off a bye week. There's so much on the line. Um, you are going to have a clear cut favorite in the Pac-12 after this game, and maybe in they, they could challenge for like it's going to take a, at least a, like a pole position on a potential college football playoff uh, appearance because I think both of these teams are top five teams. I know they're both ranked in the top 10 and I know it's early in the season. I think both these teams are, are top, top five teams. I will say that Washington has been so, so good all season long. Right. And and they have really jumped on teams and playing in that environment is going to be very, very tough. However, I'll also say that Oregon is is more of a complete team to me. Like, like I, I know that we've talked about how Washington should be number one and all that kind of stuff, and they they had a couple weeks ago, I know they, they scored in every phase of the game, and I'm, I'm a big, huge fan of stuff like that. Um, I will also say that, like, I think that Oregon is a better defensive team. I think yeah. they have not as much offensive, like, firepower, but not that far from it. Um, and we saw what they did against Colorado with some of the fake punt stuff. So it's like, you know, they can be dangerous in special teams too. So – I think it's a very evenly matched, really, really good game. I do too. Um, and really, the three points, I don't know what these days home field gets you as far as points on the spread, but historically, that this spread would say that Vegas thinks these two teams are basically a pick em if it was on a neutral field. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm going to take Oregon plus three. I don't know if they'll win the game. I actually think just because it's at home, I'll take a nail-biter win for Washington, 33-31. But um, I've got Oregon covering the plus three. That would be the bet. You know, if you're looking to get a little crazy, maybe you take them on the money line if you think they're – because I agree with you. I think their defense is is better than Washington's. They can run the ball better than Washington. Right. Um, And I just think they have a more balanced offense. And so um, because it's at home, I'm not – fully confident in the pick um, against Washington, but, and and again, I think they could probably win the game. So, but my bet would be Oregon plus three, 33, 31 Washington wins at home. So anytime there's a game like this, like I I really want to look at the fact that like, all right, it's at home. This is a tough place to play. And then you look at some of the other stuff. I think that are some of the lazier narratives, like Bo Nix on the road. Is Bo Nix going to be good on the road? He struggled so much at Auburn, um, you know, in his career there. They struggled earlier on the road this season uh, against Texas Tech. Uh, I think they won that game 38-30, and that was like kind of by the, like the hair of their chinny chin chin type of type of game. Um, here's the thing, though: what any kind of game like this, I fully expect Washington to come out like really good on script, like really really good on script. They are one of the best, if not the best, offenses in the entire country, and they've got weapons all over the field. Now that being said, I think that Oregon has a better chance in this game of being able to play ball control because they can run the football effectively too, not just through the air. Um, I think Washington averaged like 64% of their pass play or their plays were pass plays. Um, they're not as balanced as you would, you would expect uh, even though, you know, like they're, they have put up numbers in the run game as well. But in this game, like any type of big game like this, for me, it kind of boils down to like, who's tougher. And I feel like, this is an odd thing I feel like I'm going to say, but I feel like Oregon is much tougher than Washington because we're, we're talking about an Oregon team that, like, we saw what they did against Colorado. I, I know that was at home, but they play better defense. They play really well on the lines of scrimmage. Like, I mean, you know, like, that's a team that gave up five sacks a year ago. I think after the Colorado game, they only gave up two so far throughout the season. I like them to win because I think they're going to be a tougher team um, in the trenches. So I've got Oregon winning 38-30. to 30. Awesome. I, I hope it's a shootout like we think. I mean, the total was suggested, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. I, I, I haven't looked at the weather, but it is in Seattle. Cold and rainy. Overcast and rainy. Yeah, it would, that yeah. would favor Oregon because they can run the ball better. So we'll see how it plays out. Not even uh, a chance of grunge music. Love grunge music. Let's go to this game here in the SEC. This is a 3.30 game as well. This one's on the SEC network. Florida. Who is four and two at South Carolina, who is two and three, yet South Carolina favored by two points as of right now, total 51 and a half. Um, it's been thrown around on social media a lot lately uh, since the Kentucky game. 
Billy Napier, one and seven away from home as the coach of Florida. Um, Florida as a program has lost 13 of its last 14 on the road, including in 2021 in Columbia, they lost by 23 points. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Florida handled Vandy last week. That's fine. Graham Mertz mm-hmm. put up good numbers. And I actually like what Billy Napier's done with Graham Mertz. He he's not yeah, he's not making him take over a game. He's throwing like 80% completion. So everything's being set up for for Mertz on offense, which I like. South Carolina's coming off a bye. So they should be well rested. Now I don't know if it sounds like Juice Wells isn't gonna play in this game. Beamer came out and said it's he's very doubtful. Um I don't know. Where where should we start here? <laughs> I don't fucking know. I mean, like, this game is like it feels like it should have so much more for like lack of better words and, and pardon the pun, but like juice to this game. Um I just I don't like it. Cause I I don't I really don't like all the talk around it of like you know, is this like the? I've seen people say like, is this the biggest game on of the of of Shane Beamer's career at South Carolina? Like, is it a must win? Same with Billy Napier, and I think it like whoever wins this game has a good chance of finishing fourth in the SEC East. Awesome, like, but that's like, like if you're gonna use this game as like a a, a stepping stone or like a building block into the argument of, you know what, like if Beamer lost this game at home to to Florida and we should have won that game and you know, you end up down the road, you're only six and six or five and seven. Like, like it's not like losing this game for either team is going to keep you from what? Right. The Gasparilla bowl. Like who fucking cares? Like, and I hate to say that, but at the same time, it's like, this is not some man. There's so much high stakes in this game. Like we, like we, this is a must win situation. I just don't believe it. And so I think that like, if this game was on a neutral field or in Florida, I would sit here and say take Florida every day of the week. I think they're a better team. I think they're a more complete team. Graham Mertz has been a lot better than people have given him credit for. Um, and, and the other part is like, all right, we can try to look at South Carolina. Like, what are the things that they don't do well that you can take advantage of? And that is they're horrible up front. Like, they're horrible up front. But we've seen this now for like halfway through the season where it's like they're not going to try to run the football. I mean, because like, they know they're not going to be able to. And if you want to take advantage of that, it's like get in the backfield, pressure the quarterback, and pressure Spencer Rattler. But these both of these teams are tied for dead last in the SEC in sacks so far this season with, with nine apiece. So it's not like Florida's going to take advantage of this bad O-line. I, I want to pick Florida. I really do. But I, it's hard, especially for what we saw against Kentucky, and they just got boat raced. I, I, I got to take Carolina just only because they're at home. And I would take it like in the least exciting fashion. I'd say like 21 to 20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you'd have Florida covering then? I guess, yeah. I would not bet this game at all. At all. No. Uh, Beamer, Beamer said on the bye week that they used that time to evaluate the O-line, think kind of outside the box on how to protect Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. Got sacked in their last game six times against Tennessee. Now, Tennessee does lead, I want to say, the country, if not maybe the SEC, in sacks uh, per game. Mm-hmm. Um, them and a I think it's the SEC. A and M leads to twenty six. Uh, but per game on a per game basis, I think oh, yeah, they do. actually has them. Um, Florida has failed to cover the spread in nine of its last ten road games against non AP ranked teams, so that's not great for them. I also, for South Carolina, I like that they just got completely embarrassed by Florida last year, thirty eight to six. So revenge yeah. has to be on the mind here. Um, also, if you look at South Carolina, man, their three losses are to UNC, Georgia, and Tennessee, who are combined fifteen and one. So, even though they're two and three, I don't think that's a a total accurate reflection of where they're at as a program. Shane, Shane Beamer three and zero against the spread with extra rest at South Carolina, covering yeah. by three touchdowns per game. Um, they actually won all three of those games outright as underdogs. Oof. So, and the last thing. This isn't a soft factor at all. This is a just fact. It's October now. <laughs> so I'm going to take South Carolina 27, Florida 24. Okay. I was with you, though. I almost picked Florida as well. I I, I could see it, and I'm, I'm with you. I would not bet this game. It's just it's so hard to pick them to win this game, only because of the fact that, like, they've just been so bad on the road, and it stretches back to the last three years. So I just, I mean, I can't do it. All right, let's say in the SEC at the same time, 3.30 on CBS, Texas A&M, 4-2 and two 
at number 19, Tennessee, four and one. Uh, current line, three and a half for Tennessee, uh, total 55 and a half. Um, A&M obviously coming off a pretty crushing loss for them against Alabama at home. Um, A&M has won two in a row against Tennessee. Uh, they won in double overtime at home in 2016, and they won in 2020, 34 to 13 in Neyland. But A&M has lost seven straight road games. They've lost each of their last 11 games as a road underdog. Not great. Ooh. Tennessee, on the other hand, hasn't lost a home game in nearly two years. Won 12 straight, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. Tennessee and A&M rank 1-2 in the country in average sacks per game. Yeah. So I but, worry about – yep. Do you know what they rank in sacks allowed, as you can hear me clicking through – um, trying to trying find, to find oh, okay, never mind. It's not that bad. Tennessee's, Tennessee's only given up six all year. Okay. Okay. Um, Tennessee also has an extra week to prepare, mm-hmm. which is big. They're coming off of a bye. Um, I I worry about the spot for AM. If really? they weren't coming off that loss to Bama, I think I'd be more inclined to pick AM here. Um, but because they did, and Tennessee's coming off a bye, and it's at home for Tennessee, I like Tennessee to win this game, and I like them to barely cover the spread. I hate that hook. Um, but I'll take Tennessee 28, A&M 24. I hate, I, hate, I hate betting on Joe Milton. I just do. Here's the thing. Now, I've I've said this a bunch, and and like Brooks Austin's a guy that that I, I love and love the work he does, and he he's the first person I've, I've seen really bring it up, and and like the way you beat Tennessee, okay, the way you beat Tennessee, because as as much as we talk about how big that offense is, and I've been saying this for a minute, like the whole thing about throwing it deep and what we saw with Hendon Hooker last year and Jalen Hyatt, a lot of people's idea of Tennessee's offense is well, it's gimmicky because they spread you out so wide, and then on top of that, what they do is. They throw the ball deep because we saw Hinton Hooker hitting Jalen Hyatt. And, and I'm not trying to overblow like one specific game or, or, or say it's all because of this because I'm a Bama guy. But like, as with a lot of things, a lot of identity and a lot of facts, I'll say, are are made in games against Alabama. And, a, and one part about the Tennessee offense I feel like people have a misconception of is, well, it's they're throw the ball deep and they're airing it out constantly because of what they saw last year against Alabama. It's a run-first offense, and the way to stop that offense is because they are going to spread you out. Is you have to stop the run with light boxes. You have to have five or six guys in the box, and that's it. You can't be bringing safeties down. You cannot put safeties on slot receivers like you saw last year against Bama. And if there's an, a defensive line in a front seven or a front six in this case that is equipped and capable of doing this, it's it's a and m. Like, and in, in, you look at the conference, especially Georgia, maybe Bama. We'll see next week, but a and m, I firmly believe can stop Tennessee's run game. And that is if they can't run the football, like we heard all off season about how Joe Milton is going to air the ball out and throw it, you know, like a hundred yards and all that kind of shit. And then you look at like some of the numbers, like from like, I know our, our buddy uh, Clark Brooks or Greg Clark Brooks, SC Statcat. I, I don't know how I'm drawing a blank on his name. I think I'm still hungover from the Braves game on Monday. Anyway, like game. Joe Milton, he's, yeah. The Phillies fan was not thrilled. Um, incredible ending. Um, no, so like I, I Joe Milton, a majority of his like like I think he is like a either however you want to look at it, like last in the SEC in in throws in terms of like yards away from the line of scrimmage. Like he's averaging like two yards from the line of scrimmage on his on his like like per throw attempt, right? Like, so what I'm trying to say basically is like a majority of his throws come within the first two yards of the line of scrimmage. Because there's so many screens and so many like, you know, slip screens and bubble screens and all that kind of shit, hoping the receiver will get out in space, which is weird to me because like we've heard again all offseason, Milton can throw the ball 90 yards. You got a bunch of speedy receivers. They just don't run that kind of offense. Now, what beat AM last week? And sure, Bama had a couple of, of really, really big, like, you know, they had a couple of like busted coverages, especially early on, and some deep balls. But what beat AM was was the intermediate passing game that Jalen Milrow was he excelled at last week and the week before, really. And Joe Milton doesn't do that. He does not beat you eight to ten yards at a time. And, and to be honest, I think he's too greedy to do it. I think like I, I think he wants to throw the ball deep and I think he wants to air it out. And he does not have the accuracy for 60 straight minutes to do that. I think AM is a better team. 
I think that they are going to do what what A and M and Jimbo Fisher have done in the past, which is. Sorry, I'm in Atlanta. My parents just sent me a text. They got Pepper a new dog tag. So there's that. I think that um, what he's going to want to do is 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 try to beat them in intermediate routes, which is exactly what Milro did last week. And, and the other thing is this, too. A&M is a really good football team, and I think they're going to come out here and, and do what everyone does not want to see, which is probably just, you know, Undertaker gif, like come back to life, because they are a good football team. And, and you go back to what I said about the light boxes, you're talking about, a team that has 38 tackles for loss and 20 sacks in their last three games combined. That is absurd. I mean, that, that those are absurd numbers. To put that in perspective, I've got the numbers put up here right, right, right now. Like, to put that in perspective, the total sacks, like they've had 20 in the last three games, that is more than, than 10 of the other 14 or 10 of the other 13 teams in the conference for the entire year. And they've done it in the last three games. I think AM goes on the road and I think they win. They have better, they have more roster talent. I think Max Johnson is a good quarterback. And I just think that it's like I know Tennessee's coming off a bye, but if I'm also being honest, I wonder how much of that bye week was 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 spent talking about the game after this. Like I know you got to be focused on AM a little bit, but like you just can't convince me that they spent the entire two weeks not looking ahead a little bit to next week, which is a massive, massive game for them. So I like AM to go on the road. I like them to win. Um, and I'll take I'll take A and M uh, outright, not not even just covering the spread. I'll take them outright, uh, twenty seven to twenty uh, twenty four. That'd be a big big win for Jimbo. It would. You'd hate it, but yeah, it would be. All uh, right. Yeah, maybe I would. Um, all right, let's go to another coach that's been a little under fire lately. Uh, Seven thirty p.m. game on ABC, number twenty five, Miami. Who is four and one at number twelve UNC? Who is five and zero? UNC currently a three and a half point favorite at home. Total fifty seven. Biggest question hey, is where? UNC's not home. Oh, UNC. UNC. Okay, yeah. sure. I'm looking at the screen. Um, my biggest question in this game is where is Miami's collective heads at right now? It didn't seem like the the players were too happy after the game, like no. directly at their coach. When you have the camera on the center saying, why the fuck did we do that? Why the fuck would we run the ball? Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Which is a direct reflection on the head coach. No matter who, you know, it's come out this week that maybe it was the O-line's idea, O-line coach's idea to run the ball. Look, if you're the head coach, you have the final say. And Chris Ball's always done that. We've we've talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, UNC's coming off a game where they blasted a, a decent Syracuse team, 40-7. Drake May in that game was 33 of 47 for 442 yards, three touchdowns, 55 rushing yards, and another touchdown. Uh, Tez Walker, we didn't mention this, but he's finally eligible. Mm-hmm. So thank you, NCAA, for that. By the way, uh, real quick on that, because I don't want to get into this because everyone knows I hate the NCAA, whatever. Did you see how the NCAA, uh, they handled that, and they were like, yeah, they, they, yeah, well, they, you know, they would have just done the right thing from the beginning and just go, like, fuck off. Right. Fuck you guys. You guys have never once said anything in the interest of the player. And you guys are like, well, you know, they could have handled better, but it's fine. No, no. I'm sure. Uh, Tez Walker played 56 snaps last week. So he's clearly in game shape, ready to go. Um, that's a big addition that's for good. UNC. UNC seems like one of the least talked about undefeated teams in the country right now. Like everybody likes Drake May, but yeah. um, UNC has won the past four games against Miami. Last year, they won 27-24 on the road. Uh, Miami hasn't won in Chapel Hill since 2017. I still think Miami's a good team. I, they dominated the box score. If you look at the box score against Georgia Tech, they they yeah. were the much better team. But turnovers and the end of the game, plunder, uh, forced <laughs> them to lose. So the line is tricky. I think it's begging you to take UNC. Um so I think Miami has enough to keep pace with UNC on offense. So I, I'm going to play Miami plus three and a half, but I think UNC will win the game outright 30 to 28. I love what you said about why we're not talking about UNC that much. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I think that they are clearly one of the better teams in the country. Like the fact that they're ranked even behind Bama is like, 
kind of shocking to me. I don't I don't really understand why. Um, why is it, why can't I ever just wear a hat normally? Um, I, I really don't understand how the, like they're undefeated. Drake May has been awesome. Like the quarterback play in general this year has been really really special, and I hope that everyone appreciates it because like not to be like you know dramatic about it, but like this is like a incredible year for quarterback talent across the country and usually there's only five guys that get invited to new york and i'm sure there's gonna be people that are upset about it but drake may is playing about as good a ball as you can play right now um just been incredible that, that's also a guy that like i even kind of doubted coming into the season where I, I knew he was good but it was like well you don't have phil longo anymore like what are you gonna do like i was pretty down on unc um to be honest and it's been a really really impressive showing for them this year um I, they're at home, right? Like, like they were they were coming off a bye last week, I think, and they they just torched whoever they played. Um, and that that was like in a spot too, where it's like I don't think they were a massive favorite, but they just I mean boat raced them, right? Like yeah, Syracuse forty to seven. That's insane to me because yeah. so Syracuse isn't that bad of a team. We saw right. Syracuse play a little bit toe to toe with with Clemson the the a few weeks before mm-hmm. that or the week before. So I like even seeing this game. I think that like. Mario Cristobal in big games in general has not been good. I, I I am okay with Miami being ranked because they should be undefeated. They yeah. should be. But like your mental toughness and your your like I don't know confidence has to be fractured a little bit if you're if you're Miami because of how bad of a, a way that was to lose. So I like UNC. I like them at home. What was what was your score? Thirty to twenty eight. Thirty to twenty eight. Yeah, yeah I, I like UNC. I think they run away with this one late in the fourth. I, I like UNC 38 to 20. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That'd be a big one. Um, It'd be a big one. Man, 6 0 UNC. I don't think people are ready for that, obviously, because nobody talks about them. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like every, time I see the, every time I see the top 12, I look at it and I'm like, okay, why is Bama behind USC? And then I look one back and I'm like, why is UNC behind Bama? Like, because like, I just don't get it. But yeah, you know. Like it's a long season, so. Um, let's go to back to the SEC here. Let's, no, let's do, well, that's fine. Let's do that one. <laughs> um, so we are looking at a seven o'clock game on ESPN. Night game in Death Valley. Auburn three and two at number twenty-two. LSU four and two. LSU currently an eleven-point favorite. It's a weird number. Yeah. Um, total of sixty. So what are they trying to say? 30, 35, 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty good math. It does sound pretty good too. That sounds like a, I've got, I'll tell you right now, if Auburn scores 24 points on LSU, I don't want to finish that sentence. <laughs> LSU defense is really bad. It's, it is really bad. It is really bad. But I will also say, um, I don't think that like like this is like such an interesting game. First off, if anyone says Tiger Bowl, I'm gonna punch you in the mouth. You know, and you know what else, Tyler? Now I'm kind of coming out of my my fog a little bit. The Celsius is kicking in. Missed a massive opportunity to not just put the same fucking logo on here at the bottom with the orange and blue tiger and the same exact type of tiger over here in purple and mm-hmm. gold. Massive missed opportunity. This is an interesting game because it's it's all like seemingly something always happens, right? Like some really really good games. This one, Les Miles lost his job because of this. They measured a, a, a Tiger Stadium on the Richter scale because of this rivalry. Um, I was at the game two years ago when I, I've actually been to this game in Baton Rouge. It's the first time I won't have gone to it uh, in the last five years in when it's in Baton Rouge. So shout out to Mickey Sheremy. I'm sorry I couldn't make it. It's a great game, great SEC matchup. Auburn has only won there once in death Valley since, since like Y2K since like 99. And it was the last time they played there, but I never thought I would say this. They had a much better quarterback last time they were there. Even Auburn Bo Nix was much better than what they have here. Now, what I want to see out of Auburn is like one, this game is traditionally close. Six of the last seven have been decided by five points or fewer. Um, and it's been a really, really good game. Uh, most of the time these two meet up. However, I want to see Auburn coming off a bye week. Can they come into this game? Is there more trust and more efficient, like crispness in the passing game? Like if it's Peyton Thorne, if it's Robbie Ashford, whatever, are they able to get it going a little bit more with those receivers? 
Because right now it looks very disjointed. It looks very, I don't know, just like like they're not on the same page, which you've had all offseason to get on, right? So I wonder how that looks going into this game. And the other thing is LSU still has all their goals in front of them. And and I've been saying this nonstop. Like you, I wish that Mizzou would have beat LSU as a Bama guy because I would love to see LSU out of this race immediately. It has been since 2005 since we have not seen an SEC team, at least one, make the BCS National Championship or the College World Playoff, right? So you cannot convince me that even if LSU has two losses, if they run the table, I mean, think about this, Tyler. If they run the table from now until the end of the year and they just keep winning and, and what's left on that schedule when they when they play Bama and then they, they get to Atlanta, if they somehow beat what is probably going to be an undefeated Georgia team, like you can't convince me that that they're just automatically not going to make the playoff. You can't. And so there's still a lot to play for for LSU. And now they're back home. Like all, they've played some big games already and they've all been away from home. Florida state neutral site at Mississippi state at Mizzou at Ole Miss. And now you get to come back at night in, in death Valley. Fuck man. I, I got LSU big in this one. I, I think they go out there and prove a point. I don't see them scoring under 40 no matter what the, the defense for Auburn looks like. I, I think that their defense comes out and plays a little bit better and looks better just because at the very least, Auburn will be very turnover prone. And I, and I don't see them going in, into bat, or yeah into Baton Rouge um, in this game even being remotely close. So I'll say that 60 sounds nice with the, the, the total, but I'll take LSU 41-21. Okay. <clears throat> um, obviously, the, the Auburn offense has struggled. Maybe during the bye week they found something. Peyton Thorne is last in the SEC in passer rating. So it's not going to – even though LSU's weakness is the DB room right. currently, I don't think they're going to beat him through the air. The Auburn bases its offense on the run game. Charquez Hunter, Brian Batie, even Peyton Thorne's been a pretty capable runner. He's actually the second leading uh, rusher on the team. Um, I like that Logan Diggs has emerged for LSU in the run game. He's got 488 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. Jaden Daniels is one of the best players in the country uh, this yeah. year, regardless of position. He's been SEC offensive player, off, SEC offensive player of the week three times, uh, and he leads an offense that's third third best in the FBS in total offense. So it's a night game in Death Valley. It's a weird number, I, I, and because the LSU defense has been so bad, I'm going to take Auburn to cover. I don't think they'll win the game, but I'm going to take LSU 35, Auburn 27. Oh, okay. I think Auburn will get some points in this game. Well, you're um, let's go to UCLA and Oregon State. Uh, this is an 8 p.m. game on Fox. Number 18, UCLA, who is 4-1 at number 15, Oregon State, who is 5-1. Uh, the line is 3.5 for Oregon State, total 55. Um, bottom line, I'm always going to take Oregon State at home at night to win a game. 3.5? I don't know if they're going to cover. I don't, actually, I don't have yeah. them covered. But I'm going to take them to win. As long as there's a hook there, Yeah. Um, I like UCLA to cover the game. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually, and I think UCLA actually might be the better team here. Um, really? Especially by the, by the end of the year. Um, I love UCLA's defense. They're only giving up 13.5 points per game. Yeah. So I think it'll be low scoring, but it's going to be one of those weird nights in Corvallis that something kooky happens and they win by a point. I'm going to take Oregon State 24-23. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's that far off. Um, you said, hold on, thirty. Wait, what? Twenty four. Uh, twenty four. Twenty three. Twenty four. Twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think it's that far off. I think that I will say that in the one game that I have seen on the road, because like the schedule, I'm looking at it right now. The schedule is you got Coastal Carolina, right, and and that was like a close game until Dante Moore came in in the fourth quarter. You won by 14, but it was a it was like a one point game in going into the fourth. At San Diego State, you beat them 35-10 on the road. Great. North Carolina Central, I'm not even going to count that. But on the road against Utah, I mean, you struggled mightily, especially in the past game. It was his first game on the road, Dante Moore, that is. Um, 15 of 35, which is 43% for 234 yards, one touchdown, one reception. And now I'm not saying he's not going to grow up in this game. Um but I look at last week, and he was 22 of 44, which is you know 50% exactly. One touchdown, two interceptions. One thing you cannot do if you expect to beat Oregon State, because because the one thing I love about Oregon State, I've said this after they played Utah, they are so fundamentally sound. I love watching them play 
despite all the jokes we make about Oregon State, I love watching them play because they are so fundamentally sound. They take the right angles on defense. They tackle very, very well. They do all the things up front um, that, like, you know, like that a lot of good football teams do. They're really, really well coached. At home in Corvallis, where I can confirm dreams go to fucking die? Like, Oregon State, uh, Moneyline is the lock of the week. Like, I, I just, it's a true freshman quarterback going on the road in a hostile environment at night. I don't even agree with you that I think UCLA is is the, the better team. I think you're just saying that because you saw them score on defense last week um, and because you're an idiot. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> no, no, all those are very fair assessments, Chris. Um, no, I, I, think, I think Oregon State wins this game. I got Oregon State outright. Um, I honestly, like, I think this is a game where they pull away like like in the second half I got Oregon State 31 to 21. And the last game of the weekend which may no, no, rival we got, left. we got two. What did I miss? Oh yeah, yeah, we did miss that. Okay. Let's go to that one. Um this is a 7:30 game on SEC Network. Missouri 5 and 1 at number 4 24 Kentucky who's also 5 and 1. Kentucky a two and a half point favorite, total 52 and a half. Um Devin Leary was awful last week. He's been pretty bad all, all year, but particularly last week, 10 of 26 for 128 yards against Georgia in that beatdown. In mm-hmm. SEC games to date, he's completing only 46% of his passes. Um, LSU or uh, Missouri obviously coming off the heartbreaker to LSU after being up 22 to 7 um, in that game. They end up losing by 10. You and I are all in on Brady Cook and, and Luther Burden yeah, at this yeah. point. Um, I saw that Eli Drinkwitz said Cody Schrader is listed as quote questionable at best for this game. Oh. I hope he plays because he had a great game against LSU. He's up to almost 600 yards rushing, six touchdowns on the season. He does have a strained quad muscle, so we'll see if he plays. Um, but that Kentucky defense on in the passing game has not been good this year. They got torched by Georgia last week. And now Brady Cook and Luther Burden enter the chat. And yeah. what does Brad White, Kentucky defensive coordinator, have for that passing attack? Missouri, hasn't won, Missouri hasn't won in Lexington since 2013. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Um, Kentucky, they do rank in the top 30 of limiting explosive plays through the air and on the ground. And Missouri's mm-hmm. offense is basically predicated on generating generating big plays. Yeah. Um, through both the air and the ground. Uh, weirdly enough, if you look at explosive um, offense metrics, Kentucky is one of the most explosive countries in the or offenses in the country. Yeah. Down and down, they're pretty pedestrian. Um, good news for Kentucky. Missouri has a knack of giving up big plays. Um, and Kentucky is second in rushing explosive plays, 24th in passing explosive plays, 50th or worse in all other efficiency, uh, efficiency metrics. Yeah. I'll take Kentucky to win this in a nail biter, 35-33, high scoring. But I think Kentucky gets it done at home. Uh, Missouri can't win in Lexington. You just don't walk into Kroger Field and come out easily with a victory. Kroger toes. Let me tell you something right now. You're right. And Kroger Field is a, a very underrated um environment. I think it'll be a, electric this weekend. I think it's I, this is a big game. Like yeah. like I joked around earlier about the South Carolina Florida game. I think this is the, to be honest, like I okay, give me a second. Let me gather my thoughts here. A and M, Tennessee, much bigger thing nationally, right? Like because because of those two brands, not even where the two teams are. Um, UCLA and Oregon State, those are the two ranked teams. Obviously, Washington and Oregon, um, massive massive game. And then you talk about Notre Dame and USC, which we'll get to next. This is, I think, a top two or three game in, in the country this weekend. And it means a lot of, of who's going to finish where. I don't know why my voice is so loud. Um, Kentucky has beaten Mizzou seven of the last eight years. And it's always in some horrific fashion, it seems. Like some kind of dumb shit always happens to Mizzou in this game. There was like the, the play, I think it was 2019, when there's a, a blatant pass interference call that's gifted to Mizzou. I think they they got like – and then the next play, it's like offensive pass interference. They didn't give, give it back to them. Um, I think they lost by one point or something crazy. If you're looking at this game, because whoever wins this game, I think like firmly finishes second in in the SEC East. 
which is a, a big deal this year, right? Like th- this is a New Year's Bowl, New Year's Day Bowl team. I think whoever whoever wins this game. Um, and Missouri still I, has to play Georgia, so you never know. I mean, right? And and I, I will say this though, like it, this is always a close game. You're right about Mizzou. They have not been able to win. Um, I mean, like you think about 2013 and 2014. Those are the two years that Mizzou won the, the the division. And outside of those years, like I said, seven of eight. Like they have been dominated in this rivalry, and they've struggled against teams like that Supes has put out in the past that are physical and run the football first and all that kind of stuff. Here's where I'm at with it, though. If you were talking about two teams that are coming into the this game in the most similar spot, like they're both coming off a loss, both coming off a loss, but they had high hopes going into it, and all that stuff sounds very similar to each other, right? I don't think these two teams are anywhere close to being like in the same mental place uh, as 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 they should be coming into this game. And what I mean by that is, if you're Mizzou and you're looking at that LSU game, you blew a 15 point lead, you lost at home, you had every chance to win that game, and your defense couldn't do it. And then, you know, even worse, Brady Cook finally came back down to earth, threw a pick six to end the game, and all this kind of stuff comes down shattering, and, and your your perfect season, the undefeated start is, is gone. That's so different than a Kentucky team going on the road against mighty Georgia where you think we're 5-0. and we got, we got Liam Cohen back. We've actually fared pretty well and kept these games close in this rivalry. And last time we were here, it was, you know, Will Levis had, a, had a, one of the best games of his career. We've got Devin Leary. He could step up. I mean, I saw Kentucky fans, and this has nothing to do with the game, but I saw Kentucky fans with a lot of confidence going into – into last week, and I'm sure that the the team did too. What is your mental, like, I don't say health, but like, what is your confidence going into this game after you just got fucking skull dragged by 38? Because it can't be good. Like, right. and, and again, I have no problem with what with what with Mark. Wow, with what Mark Stoops said about about getting players and all that kind of stuff. And I think Mark Stoops is a tremendous coach, and he's been really great at this program. I think he's a better coach than Eli Drinkowitz. I think that they play a better brand of football consistently since time he's been there, and especially for what the SEC, like, you know, what is involved in, in being a successful team in the SEC. I don't know what they have in this game. Because I watched I watched that secondary get torched last week by Carson Beck in Georgia. And I'm not saying that this is Carson Beck in Georgia, but, like, man, you, 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 look, at, you look at Mizzou – and they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, statistically speaking, through through half the season. And then statistically speaking, they have the best receiver in the country. So I got Mizzou. Like, I, I think Mizzou's a better team. And I think this means more to them. Um, and I hate to say it because I think, I, you know, I, these are two programs I think everyone casually will pull for. But I like Mizzou to go in and get a win and keep their season going because I think they're a better football team right now. I, I, I got Mizzou. Hold on. Let me think here. What's the total? The total is 52 and a half. Ooh, I got Mizzou 27 to 21. Okay. All right, I like that. Um, let's go to the last game of the week. It seems like we've been – Notre Dame has just been in a big game every single week for the last month. Uh, 7.30 on NBC. <laughs> Number 10, USC, who is 6-0. and at number 21, Notre Dame, who's five and two. They've played seven consecutive weeks. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame favored by three, total 62 and a half. Obviously, Notre Dame coming off three really hard fought games against Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville, dropping two of them, but they were all close. Louisville kind of ran away from them late, but um, this is where we're finally going to get to see USC, I think, tested. Yeah. Not in terms of, um, I mean, they've been tested. Obviously, they went to triple overtime against Arizona last week. Yeah, um, yeah, they were tested by Colorado towards the end of that game. But this is a legitimate defense and an offense that it's not outstanding, but they can put up points. Um, where are you leaning in this game? No, you start because I'm looking up stuff that I should have already looked up. Um, I'm worried that Notre Dame has played seven consecutive weeks and they've the last month has been all big games nationally televised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I'm off the USC bandwagon. I think it's going to be a really close game. And obviously the spread would dictate that. But I just think 
the defense of Notre Dame has got to come play here and make a couple stops because we know the USC defense isn't going to. No. It's going to be super high scoring. I think that the number of 62 and a half is probably too low. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really close game throughout. I don't, I don't see either team pulling away from one another. Um, because of Caleb Williams in that offense, I think USC will cover the game. I think Notre Dame squeaks this one out. It's going to be a battle, but I've got 35, 34 Notre Dame. Okay. Um, I just, I hate you. I mean, USC's quote unquote defense is yeah. just terrible. And I mean, I just can't trust them. And I I can trust Notre Dame's defense to get a couple stops against Caleb Williams in that offense. Yeah. I think that um, Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, they've, I mean, they've been through the ringer here, huh? Right. Like you said, it's like they're in a big game every week. Like they played Ohio State and they had Duke and then they had Louisville. So it's three big games in a row against three really good teams. And you're able to eke out one of those wins. Um, and this team should be four and three, if we're being honest. Or they could also easily be five and two um, because they probably. No, they know, are five and that, two. Well, they yeah, I know. But I'm saying they could also, like, from the same mindset of like they could have lost oh, yeah, two, yeah. they they probably should have beaten, you know, um, Ohio, State. Ohio State. So they could, I guess you say they could be six and one. Yeah. That's what that makes more sense. Um, when I look at USC, Caleb Williams is awesome. He's awesome. And he's probably a better quarterback than Bryce Young was. And he's that offense is so much fun to watch. I tell you what I've really enjoyed watching is Marshawn Lloyd have like a like a like the career and the, the year he's having. It's like the career we all wanted to see out of him when he came out of Delaware and and went to South Carolina because it just for whatever reason, whether it's injuries and like an awful offensive line play, um, there was just always something in his way that like from achieving his full potential. And I think he's finally at a place now where he can achieve it. And it's been awesome to watch. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country right now. You know, he's going to be a, a surefire number one overall pick. He's awesome. They've got Unless weapons. He does what he says he did. And if it's the team that he doesn't want to go to, he's just going to stay in school because he can make just as much in NIL, according to him. Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. You know, you don't have to do it in the NFL, go to fucking class. So there's yeah. that. Um, so anyway, no, but like Brennan Rice has been a lot of fun to watch. The receivers they've got, like they've got talent. They don't have a defense. And then when you look at this, it's like Notre Dame is not a, like it's not like their offense has been great. Like they, they weren't great against Ohio State. They weren't great against Duke. But Mike Elko is a pretty good defensive coach at Duke, right? I saw them give up seven points to Clemson. And Ohio State has one of the best defenses in the country. No one's just no one talks about it because of all the offensive firepower they have, and then also because of the fact that we associate that team with only offense over the last like you know five to eight years. Notre Dame is a good team. Like I, I think they're pretty fundamentally sound. They play a good brand of football. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, they're at home. Massive deal. Massive mm -hmm. deal. I don't think I don't think Southern Cal is a top ten team. I've been saying it all year. I, I just don't think they're I don't think they're that good. I, like I think that this team is an even worse version of of OU when Lincoln Riley was there in terms of oh yeah man like they put up a ton of points. They don't play defense for shit. Like this is the quintessential old school Pac twelve team where it's like they 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 are going to score forty. They're going to give up thirty eight. They are ranked 79th in the country in yards per carry allowed. Okay. Which is then you want to look at the offense or the, the defense and, and say, well, maybe they're really good in the passing game. Maybe we're just running on them. Nope. They are 84th in the country in yards per play allowed. I think this game is going to at least be close going into the fourth quarter and in the second half. I think it'll at least be close because I think Notre Dame plays too good a defense. Who like maybe USC is a better offense than 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 Ohio State. Right. I watched that. that's a very good offense from Ohio State. I watched them struggle mightily in this game. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think this will be at least a close game. And then you get to the fourth quarter. And I, I know that USC's been in this situation so far because they just had a triple overtime game against Arizona. And the only thing that can ever be triple overtime in Arizona is ballot counting. And that's about it. Okay. Every four years. So there's that. Second off, I don't, that's the clip this week. Um, and then second off, I think that when you talk about like what they're going to want to do in the fourth quarter, it's it's like 
back against the wall, your season's still on the line. We're going to line up with the best and most physical running back in the fucking country, and we're going to see if you can stop it. And South, like Southern Cal has not been able to stop anything. Anything. Uh, I'm not, I was going to make another joke, but I'm not going to. Uh, so I think Notre Dame wins this game in emphatic fashion in the fourth quarter. I think they punish Southern Cal in the fourth quarter. I think it's still close, but I think this is a game where like you go into the fourth and they're down – 28 to 24 and then the final score is is like a i don't know 37 or, or 38 to, to 28 I, I i think notre dame wins this game i won't say by 10 because i think usc will keep it close but i've got notre dame winning i'll say 38 to 33 that'd be a fun game to watch um i think we i think i, I don't know i'm not a notre dame fan i know you're not but um it would be nice to see usc get knocked off yeah, agreed. Uh, let's go. Do you have best bets this week, or do you just want to post them online? So I'll, I'll give you two that I like, and I'll, I'll go back to the SEC and two games we didn't talk about. I'll just give you where I'm somewhat leaning to with, with two games. Alabama's a 19.5-point favorite against Arkansas. I think this is a really good opportunity for a trap game for Alabama um, that is going to be closer than they're going to be comfortable with. Because if you look at Bama's schedule, you're coming off that big win against Ole Miss and then on the road at Mississippi State, and then a huge – Huge emotional and, and big win on the road at College Station where everyone's doubting you. You got Tennessee next week. Huge revenge game. And you know that's been circled on the, on, on the calendar, right? In between those two, those things, you've got lowly Arkansas with one of the best quarterbacks in the country and 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 a, and a pretty good coach. And, and, you know, like played you pretty close the past couple of years at times. Um, and it's an 11 a.m. kick. Like all of those things wrapped into one tell me it's a trap game. So I I wouldn't bet on it because I'm not going to bet on Bama, um, but I think that Arkansas would cover it. Now the other one that I think is ludicrous uh, on terms of a point spread, Vanderbilt and Georgia. Vanderbilt is a 31 point underdog to Georgia. They should be like a 51 point underdog to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> like like, like I, I know that sounds crazy. And and listen, I'm not. Let me build up Vanderbilt before I break them down. Vanderbilt is is. They're trying their best, right? They're they, Vanderbilt. They, huh? They're Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know, they, but they are Vanderbilt, right? Like, it's like yeah. they, have, they, have, they have a pretty good receiving core. I think it's better than people know or give them credit for because there are some really talented guys there. I think they've got capable quarterbacks, right? They start out 2-0. They're about to go 2-6. and six. And if there's one thing I know about Kirby, that besides that he's got a bad haircut and he keeps gaining weight just like me, it's that – he also loves a grudge. Kirby loves to hold a fucking grudge. And he, if you don't think that's true, remember when Vandy decided in 2020 they were going to skip that that game so Georgia didn't get a senior a senior night? Um, and, and somehow ended up only playing three home games that year uh, in the COVID year. So what did Kirby do the next year? Well, he came out and beat the shit out of Vanderbilt, at, like, like 62 to like nothing. And gave up 79 or 77 total yards of offense. It's like in the last two seasons combined, Georgia has outscored Vanderbilt 117 to nothing and allowed 227 total yards of offense in two years combined. Even worse, Tyler, do you know how many? Actually, I'm not going to play this game with you because you always fuck it up. Georgia has allowed, hasn't allowed a touchdown against Vanderbilt in five years. What? Hasn't allowed a touchdown against Vanderbilt since the since 2018, and they scored with two seconds left. They have not allowed mm. a touchdown to Vanderbilt in five years. I don't know if that changes or not, but I will tell you right now that like I love Georgia to cover 31. Like love Georgia to cover 31. There's this interesting thing going around um, with the clock changes that these huge spreads are are. And there's not that many that have been this way, but I think, in fact, I think I actually have the stat right here. Um, in SEC games, favorites of 30 or more have gone 9 and 19 against the spread since 2005. That has nothing to do with the, the clock, but also it's not as easy for slower paced, which Georgia runs yeah. a slow pace offense, top tier teams to cover the giant numbers with the clock rules, with the clock always moving. That'd be the only thing I have against that. Otherwise, I mean, yeah. God, five years. Dude, the again, end zone. two seconds left. 
Just get in the end zone, Commodores. There's going to be once you get there, there's going to be some fat construction workers welcome, welcoming you in. So let's just get there. Woo! Um, I, I would love to see like what was the movie where like uh, oh it was it was a league of their own when he like when Rosie O'Donnell goes into the stands and like catches a foul ball and then comes up with like a hot dog. I would love to see a fucking Vanderbilt receiver jump over the thing, grab like a, a fucking marble red and a taquito out of some some construction worker's mouth, and just be like, oh. <laughs> "Oh, that's good." I'm just envisioning that now. I hope it happens. Uh, best wow. bets for me: Oregon, Washington, first quarter over fourteen and a half. Both Ooh, I like that teams are averaging thirteen points apiece in the first quarter, which is second and third in the country. Um, so I like that. But West Virginia minus three against Houston. Wow. Uh, Houston is bad, and yeah. Dana Holgerson is probably going to get fired. And West Virginia, I thought um, Neil Brown might be the first head coach fired midseason. He, they're four and one, and they're the better team. I think they're much better than Houston. So even though it's on the road, I'll take them. Uh, I'll save some more, maybe for what we put on social. But and then I like BYU plus six against TCU. BYU sure. off a of bye. Chandler Morris not playing for TCU. TCU's offense has been bad all year with him. Mm -hmm. um, BYU is in a great offense, but they have a better defense than TCU. So I'll take, I don't, I don't see TCU beating BYU by a touchdown. So I'll take BYU plus six. Yeah. And you had a good week last week too. I did. So hopefully we'll continue that. Yeah. Um, all right. That's going to be the show today. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. It would really help us in the growth of the show. If you would rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify, leave us a review. We'll read the best ones on air. And like and subscribe to the YouTube page so you know when we go live on Sunday nights. Leave us a message on the hotline. This has become a one of our favorite segments. Uh, yeah, angry yeah. fans, it's been super popular. We're getting more and more calls every week because of it. So the number, 770-674-8233. Give us a call if you're angry. Give us a call if you're happy, drunk, whatever. Uh, just be careful what you say because the best ones will be aired on this show and on social media from uh, SDS. Don't forget to check out all of our videos and clips from the show on Twitter at SatDownSouth, on Instagram and TikTok at SaturdayDownSouth, and finally on YouTube, SaturdayDownSouth. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Real quick, as we end the show, can I can I pre-call in a, a complaint? Yeah, go ahead. I'm not going to answer. Did you see RJ Young's comment about Shadir Sanders? Uh, was it about his watch and yeah. his car? Yeah, just his watch. Okay. Here's the two dumbest things I've seen on the internet today, and this is what's going to happen with Dion. One, I love that Barrett Slee called this out, and I think you'll like this too. Um, game three, Phillies Braves. Bryce Bryce Harper and I think it was Nick Castellanos were going into the stadium today, both wearing Dion Sanders shirts. Coach Prime, like like not like Colorado Dion Sanders. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, that's all. Who did Deion Sanders play for when he played Major League Baseball? The Braves and the Yankees. And the Reds, but yes. But Reds. he also played for, for the Braves, the right? Braves. And they're playing the Braves today. That is one yep. dumb thing. The other thing was this, and I'm still wrapping my head around, like, maybe this would just be its own segment with just R.J. Young hate purely for me because I, I don't understand this person or what's happening here. This is an actual tweet that he had yesterday, and – oh, God. Okay, he just – he okay. Yeah, so he, his latest tweet says, I've seen Shadur Sanders be his own icon, mm. which I don't know what that means. Um, anyway, so yesterday there was a there was a uh, tweet that came around and there was a picture. Of, did you see the Shadur Sanders thing Like where like last week they beat like one in five? They beat one in five Arizona State and he sprinted to the By three. Uh, what's that? By three. By three. And he mm -hmm. sprinted to the student section holding up his watch. Like, yeah. okay, this is a really likable story still because it's Colorado and no one dislikes Colorado. Great colors, great stadium, cool atmosphere, all that shit. And, and even with all the stuff with, with Deion Sanders, like it still could be a, a, a cool story. It is mind-blowing to me how out of the way this kid is going to make this whole thing dislikable. So he sprints to the end zone holding up his watch. This is the tweet. One, forget that Shadir Sanders watches a custom stainless steel. I'm not going to pronounce this right. Adamar's Pigue Royal Oak 15500 with 30 carats of VVS diamonds. 
I feel like Billy Madison. I understand three words in that book now. Yeah. Um, two, forget his watch is valued at $70,000. Three, remember he bought it when he was still playing at Jackson State. What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, what is his point? I don't know. I was going to ask you. Like, I really don't know. Like, I don't either. It, like, it, it reminded me of that thing that I remember that a couple of years ago when somebody was like, because I'm all for like the NIL stuff. And this kid is the most valued player in, in terms of NIL valuation in the entire country. And I think that's awesome, especially with the story of like, came from HBCU, first year in Power Five, first year in, in FBS, right? Mm-hmm. And is, is still having this big of an impact. And is, and is like now projected to go in the first round. He, like, he's a good player. Like, that part is all really cool. This part is bizarre to me because it's like we don't need to add on anything to it. The story is already cool. Like the story is already great. I don't know what we're doing here. And it makes no sense to me because I, <laughs> I just don't fucking get it. I, I, I think like, that they they want the hate to have fuel them because they every pregame, it seems they're talking shit to the other team on the field right. and I just I think that they have to create hate for themselves to just keep themselves motivated. I, that's the only explanation because I don't get I it. I think you're thousand percent right. Yeah. Good. Anyway, that's all. We'll, we'll we'll join again next week because I'm sure I'll have more even more more takes. Also, it's weird for a grown man to be that obsessed with a gro- with a kid. I'll say it. That's fair. Yeah. For Chris, I'm Tyler. Good luck to your teams this week. Call the hotline again seven seven zero six seven four eight two three three. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday night. Oh, 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 oh,